0: Welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Today's film uh, is uh, Halloween 3. Halloween 3 is the third episode in the Halloween franchise. The first two, of course, uh, by John Carpenter and starring Michael Myers, the serial killer. Uh, That one is uh, tangentially related to Halloween. I think uh, Michael Myers uh, does his first killing on Halloween and then he comes back. I think the next Halloween, um, well, not the next Halloween. He comes back in a future Halloween uh, to wreak his revenge. This film, by now, um, John Carpenter and his producer, Deborah Hill, were getting a little tired of doing Michael Myers. At least he he wasn't really interested in doing a third sequel with a serial killer. So they thought they had a good thing going here. Uh, The Halloween franchise, the Halloween name, why not develop a sort of series of films with the title Halloween that could come out every October that had some kind of Halloween theme to it, uh, something for the holidays. And so this was their first stab at that. Uh, The subtitle was called Season of the Witch, and uh, it didn't do very well. In fact, it turns out that most of the public wanted to see more Michael Myers, and that may be one of the big reasons that this film uh, was not critically received too well at the time. Uh, And so... Uh, Of course, by the fourth Halloween, they were back to Michael Myers. So this is a bit of an outlier in the Halloween uh, series of films from John Carpenter— now, again, all the future films were not even necessarily uh, directed by John Carpenter or written by him, but, of course, at least produced by him. So, um, Craig, I have seen this film three or four times before this. Um, you're the one who, decided, uh, who suggested it for this, this October. Um, had you seen this film before, or what was, what was kind of behind your, your reasoning here?
1: Well, you know, we were talking about films that would be appropriate for the Halloween season, not that any horror film wouldn't be. Um, And you mentioned that maybe we would consider uh, tackling the first uh, Halloween, uh, the the John Carpenter directed. But we kind of mutually agreed that that one's kind of been talked about a lot. And this one hasn't got as much uh, attention. And uh, no, I, I had never seen it. I, I knew about it, and I, I knew that it was a standalone film um, related really only by name and, and with the holiday connection. But it wasn't until I read up on it a little bit, um, it was my understanding that when they made the first Halloween, they always had in mind this idea of an anthology. Uh, they they thought that if they would make a sequel that it would be a completely different story. It was just that the first one did so well and people responded so well and responded to the characters so well. They thought, all right, let's go ahead and do uh, a second one with uh, Michael Myers, and they did. Um, but then they had plans to go ahead with uh, the original concept and, and make it an anthology thing. And like you said it just didn't do particularly well. And I think that part of the reason that it didn't do well is because people were expecting more Myers and, uh, when they didn't get it, they were disappointed. Um, and maybe didn't give this movie much of a chance. So I saw this movie for the first time today. I had a general idea of what it was about. Um, but this, uh, was my first time actually seeing it. And, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it certainly is a standalone film. There are some very brief connections, um, to the original only in that they reference the original as a movie and we see um clips from uh the original halloween um on tvs uh in the film a couple of times um but it appears that this film exists in a universe where those movies are movies they're not uh, they don't exist uh, in the same reality or the same universe and this one you know takes a, a completely different take um, it's not really a slasher film it's it's got other stuff going on and uh, I don't know you know had I seen it when it came out, my expectations probably would have been the same as other people's um, and I, I do think that I would have left puzzled, not really understanding what they were going for or why this wasn't just a standalone movie um, why they would try to tie it to the original at all. Um, but that being said, it, it it does stand on its own, and it's it's interesting. I'll say that much for it. <laughs> yeah, it
0: sounds like we're going to agree on on a little bit of, about this movie. Um, unlike uh, some some episodes before, where we're uh, where we're a little bit of at odds. Um, certainly yeah. not with last week's episode Elvira, where I think we were also very much on the same page. Right, right, yeah, this movie came out in one thousand nine hundred and eighty two and it almost seems like a lower budget production. I think. Um, it, there were times watching this film that I felt like almost like I was watching a TV movie. Um, in fact, if it weren 't for the gore effects to come along later, it does seem almost a little sanitized in, in other elements of for like a TV market this is a, This is a film that where if you just take out a few scenes um, or shorten them, you, you could show it on TV. no problem. Right. Now, it, it starts off with a man being pursued uh, kind of down the dark street by an overpass, uh, and he ends up in uh, cornered uh, in some kind of, I don't know, it's like a trailer park, or, or not, not necessarily a trailer park, some kind of construction site, I think. And yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he uh, gets tripped up a little bit. And uh, the car that's pursuing him stops, and it's this dark, like, black sedan or something. This figure comes out of the car. Um, he's uh, in a suit. The man gets tripped up. The guy in the suit comes after him, uh, gets on top of him, starts to try to choke him. And, and this, I think, is the first one. You, you get disappointed almost right away, I think, in this movie um, with this little fight scene between these two guys because what happens is um, he's down in front of one car, I think it was a car maybe he was trying to start, I don't know. And uh, the guy's on top of him trying to choke him. And this man reaches out and there's a chain laying there. And he reaches out, reaches out, manages to pull this chain that happens to be connected to a block that is holding another car. And uh, it's being held by this block. And when he pulls this chain away, the other car starts to slowly roll towards them. And as the car slowly rolls towards them, what happens is it crushes the man who is kneeling on top of him. At least we think he's a man at the time. And you can kind of look back on the scene and think, okay, well, maybe that's why the scene looks so dumb. Um, But what (laughs) happens is these two cars just kind of crush this guy, and it looks really slow, and the man just sort of flops forward or flops backwards. And I mean, man, does it look bad. Uh,
1: yeah, it doesn't look good. I mean, the, I don't know about, you know, the physics and how much cars weigh or whatever. But like you said, it just rolls really slowly right into him. It doesn't seem like I, it, it may have made him uncomfortable. You know, it may have pinned <laughs> him like, there. But, oh no. you know, we get, yeah, we get like uh, like a crunching noise. And it, it seems like it just totally crushes this guy, which seems pretty unlikely. Um but anyway, the guy who was running away gets away, um, and uh, he it. it <laughs> It, we get a, a subtitle, One Hour Later, which we get a lot of these all throughout. It, it, it starts on um, October, Saturday, the 23rd, and we keep getting updates of of how the time is progressing until we actually get to Halloween. Um, but one hour later, we get to this gas station. Um, the attendant is watching television, and there's a preview for uh, an upcoming horror-a-thon um, on Thanksgiving night that is sponsored by Silver uh, Shamrock Novelties, who have put out uh, new Halloween masks for the season. 8-4 days to Halloween, 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 8-4 days
0: to Halloween, Silver Shep Rock, 8-4 days to Halloween, Halloween,
1: Halloween, 8-4 days to Halloween, Silver Shep Yes, kids, you too can own one of the big Halloween three. That's right, three horrific masks to choose from. They're fun, they're frightening, and they glow in the dark. It advertises the movie they're going to play, which is the original Halloween, and we see a little clip of that with Michael Myers. And And then apparently there's some sort of contest. If, if the kids who have bought these masks put on their masks and, and watch for this contest during the broadcast, um, then they can win some sort of prize. It's, it's, it's kind of ambiguous. We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, but the attendant hears a noise outside. It turns out it's the man who was being pursued before who comes in um, and just kind of collapses. Um, and I, I, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know if he like had a heart attack, if he just dropped dead. Um, the only thing he says is, um, they're coming. And then we cut away from that scene, and we get to this domestic scene where there are these two little kids, and they come to re- greet who we assume is their dad at the door. Um, and he greets them, and the mother comes around the corner, and it's apparent that the mother and the father have tension between them. And the, the dad, who we find out, is, his name is Dan, um, and he's a doctor. Um, the dad has brought gifts for the kids and he pulls them out and they're masks. And, and they look like the kind of masks that I remembered from when I was a really little kid, when my parents didn't have any money. And they were just those really, really flimsy plastic masks with the like tiny elastic string that you would put on your face and they would break in five seconds. And the kids aren't happy with those because their mom already got the masks and she got them uh, the silver shamrock masks. So we know that his kids have these masks, uh, but he immediately gets called back to the hospital, um, where the running man, the guy who was getting chased has been <laughs> brought in. Uh, he's kind of, um, catatonic, I guess. And there, the doctors and nurses are talking over him. Um, the gas station attendant is saying, you know, I don't, I don't have any idea what's going on. I just found him. Um, and the guy lays there catatonic until on a TV in the background, the silver shamrock, uh, commercial comes on again. And it's this annoying... I don't know. It's not super annoying. It's only annoying because they play it 14 times throughout the movie. But oh, Did you count? Um, this? This? <laughs> uh, no, I looked it up. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, but uh, it plays constantly and it's just kind of this high-pitched, fast uh, to the tune of um, London, London Bridges Bridge is Falling Down, I think. He, see- he hears that and he turns and sees it, which kind of wakes him up. Um, and he says to well, no one in particular but the doctors are all standing along he says they're going to kill us all and at that point they kind of wheel him away and everybody else is uh you know goes about their business the doctor dan is tired he kind of flirts with his nurse um you know a, a friendly workplace flirtation but he goes off to take a nap she goes somewhere else leaving this chase guy alone um, which we know isn't a good thing because he's still being pursued by these suits.
0: Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting because there is a lot jam packed into the first like five or ten minutes of this film. Um, you just ran right. through it. That what 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 one thing you didn't mention was before the gas station attendant sees the commercial for Silver Shamrock. There's this brief news broadcast that I really honestly, right. goes goes by so quickly you could miss it, and I may have even missed it the first time I saw it. Where. It says uh, that uh, a stone from Stonehenge has been found missing. Uh, Nobody knows where it is, which is a very odd thing. But you know, of course, in a movie, whenever you see news broadcasts, that's going to be significant. And let's just talk for a second, Craig, because you breezed right past it, but I just can't let up on how weak it is to start your movie with the lamest-looking kill you could possibly imagine. I don't care if it (laughs) makes sense in the context of it. Later on, if you look back, you can kind of make excuses for it. It does not put you in the right frame of mind to enjoy what you were hoping is going to be an intense horror
1: film. right? Are you talking about the car thing still? Yes, I'm still talking about the car thing.
0: (laughs) I mean it is not just I mean I can't even you'd have to see it to know how goofball it looks that this guy just just flops forward and flops back as this car slowly
1: rolls towards him and like pins him in ah oh, it's just bad <laughs> Well, and you said, you know, you can kind of put two and two together and figure out why they did that. Not really. No, because not even. There, there's not really any point in talking about this chronologically. There's no sense in like saving big surprises or anything because they're not all that shocking. You can kind of figure out things as you go along. Sure. It turns out that these guys, these suit guys are like henchmen um, and they're actually robots and they're supposed to be super, super strong. So yes. <laughs> why would this slow moving car <laughs> <laughs> crush it with there's no... Problem at all? It really doesn't make sense at all.
0: Yeah, there's so much about this movie. There's so much about this movie. Oh my gosh. That be
1: uh, that being said, though, you know, I was trying to lead you up to the next kill, which I actually thought was pretty good. You know, there are some um, of the, the the practical gore effects where, you know, by today's standards, they haven't really aged all that well because you can clearly tell that um, it's masks and dummies and and uh, those types of things being used. It doesn't really look real, but that doesn't keep it from looking. Cool, um, and uh, this this second death in the hospital of the guy that got chased, I thought that was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It was different too, and that's the thing that you're looking for, obviously, in these kind of movies is is, is uniqueness in the kills. As dis- as as horrible as that sounds, we all know that's what we want. <laughs> so, yeah, the mm-hmm. guys the guys laying in bed, and another one of these suited guys uh, comes in and walks down the hall of this completely deserted hospital. This As is always, a right? this is again, yeah, one of those points at which you do feel like the movie must be a low-budget affair or it looks like this. I mean, it, it, there's no problem with this guy getting into the hospital, walking down, and there's no nurse, nobody around to confront him or say anything. And, and again, this might have been in an era when, you know, we weren't so paranoid about people coming and going from hospitals um, as we are now, um, maybe an era with a l- little less privacy or whatnot. But this has got to be a pretty darn sleepy town that can handle this guy kind of in the middle of the night. And then everybody kind of goes off to their corner to sleep. And as far as we've really only seen like two people in this hospital is the doctor and this nurse anyway the guy comes in he comes in and you know things aren't good he puts on gloves I think and then he goes up Mm -hmm. to the man and you're thinking oh he's going to smother him with a pillow or something but Mm -hmm. he he covers his mouth uh, like he's going to suffocate him and then he picks up his hand and it looks like he's going to do something, but then he makes a pincher motion with his hand. It's kind of neat, actually, how you're wondering what he's going to do, and that kind of builds and builds and builds with each shot. He comes down... I on thought his... he was going to pinch his nose. I, I thought he too. was going to
1: pinch his nose and suffocate him. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> I did, too, And but he doesn't. He actually gouges his fingers into this guy's eyes, and then pull, with using the leverage of his hand on his mouth, pulls up, and I guess, like, sort of snaps his skull, doesn't he? Like, like grabs that spot in your skull between your eyes, gets behind it, and then yanks up on it, which, you know, would... would it bends your nose up, and I guess would also sort right. of drive that bone maybe a little bit into your brain. Um, Yeah, really unique kill. And, and he as he walks away, we see the aftermath. And it's not as bloody as you would think it would be, but it's certainly... Um, pretty gross looking. Um, and just the idea right. of it is is kind of cringeworthy. So
1: yeah, that's not a bad yeah, kill. Yeah, yeah. I've n- I've never seen anything like that. I, I mean, you know, you see eye gouging or whatnot, but the, 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 to like put the fingers in and grab and pull. Um, and and it did. I mean, it, it kind of makes you it gives you the goosebumps because uh, that would certainly be an unpleasant way to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it it also shows you that. Unlike what you
0: kind of expect at this point in the movie, which would be something like a suffocation or yanking out the IV or something that would be a little indetectable as a murder, um, this guy doesn't care about leaving a trail of what he's done. And in fact, as he walks out and the nurse gets alerted and uh, Dr. Dan goes in pursuit of him, this man calmly walks out to a car in the parking lot, dumps, uh, sits in the front seat, dumps a bunch of gasoline over himself and lights himself on fire. Right there. Which, of course, makes the car explode as well. Why not throw in a car explosion? Um, sure. So, yeah, So uh, that's all kind of a freaky type of deal. And then four days later... Uh, Dr. Dan is, is still troubled by all of this. Um, the police don't really have anything to go on. It, it's a little weird, like nobody notices that this guy's carrying this mask around, uh, at least up until the very end, uh, when one of the cops has it and kind of is 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 tossing it around. I think it ends up um, in evidence or something like that. But yeah, he goes to visit the coroner. Do we ever get a name on the coroner? She has a name, right? Yeah, her name is Teddy. Uh huh. And it, and I guess she's not even the coroner, but like a coroner's assistant or something. Because
1: she's or like there. a lab tech. I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. She's always just sitting at the same desk. Yes. <laughs> like every scene that she's in, it's just her sitting at this same desk with various different things in front of her, and she's it. Like she's in she's got her own like four or five scenes and in every single one she's just sitting in this one s- same spot oh yeah it's <laughs> kind of funny and the movie
0: like takes place over the course of like a week but uh yeah she is always there i mean i'm sure that they just called her and they filmed all of her scenes like in one day <laughs> said okay bye-bye
1: oh i'm sure right and that's <laughs> like you said it happens over several days and like it doesn't matter what you know, day or night, <laughs> yes, over these the course of these days, you can call and Teddy's gonna be there sitting <laughs> right there. She lives at that desk, in, yeah, <laughs>
0: in front of the same three trays of ashes and stuff from this, right? It, it takes her that long, apparently, <laughs> to pick through this wreckage. Well, she's like, I don't know, but you know what, I'll see what I can do. Uh, it's like he's calling in a favor with her, uh, to let him know or to, I guess, up the bump up the priority of uh, investigating the ashes from this car wreck just to see what is all about uh, this guy out in the in the alley um, who blew himself right. up in the car. So yeah, it jumps to immediately to four days later. That's when that happens. And immediately after that discussion, we're at two days later. Uh, and uh, they were at a bar. Uh, There's another nice shout-out to the Halloween movie that's playing on the bar and more of that annoying commercial. Um, This commercial comes on and, you know, there's another weird thing about this uh, movie is that it really hammers you over the head with this silver shamrock. Um, It really doesn't leave much up to your imagination or leave much for later. You really know that there's something sinister about these silver shamrock masks, but you also know that Apparently, the Silver Shamrock Company and these masks are supremely popular this Halloween because they are spending a ton of money on advertising. It's on every channel and on every TV. Anytime anyone turns, one on or one happens to be in the background, always playing that annoying thing. And it's advertising these three masks. And it gets to be, for me, a little silly just for the fact that Halloween's not really Christmas. You know, it's not like... Uh, that one toy that every kid really has to have around Christmas time that everyone's kind of going nuts for and the parents are fighting each other to get to and it's sold out in all the stores. Um, These are Halloween masks and they're pretty basic Halloween masks at that. I mean, they're, they're good looking, you know, there's a, but I'm saying it's a witch, it's a skeleton and it's a pumpkin. And the idea that, These three Halloween masks are going to be so popular that every kid is going to want to go as one of three things for Halloween. It kind of misses what the holiday is all about. It's like in the alternate universe in which this movie exists, people celebrate Halloween in a different way. Like like later on, you see scenes when all the kids – it's Halloween night and all the kids are wearing masks and they're running around. And whether it's a clown or a ballerina or like a legitimate skeleton or pumpkin, everyone is wearing a mask. Like it's a ballerina with a pumpkin head on. Uh, it's you know right. it's 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 like a clown with the witch's mask on it's it's not at all like halloween really is Even
1: yeah th- i totally i totally agree with you there i thought uh, the same thing um why would every kid in America want to wear the one of the three exact same masks. Like, <laughs> it, it really doesn't make sense. Um, but I will say that um, the excitement around Halloween that they portray in the movie, I feel like that's kind of true to the time period. Now, Maybe I'm just romanticizing our childhood, but it seemed to me that Halloween was much more of an event when we were kids. Like There would be a big build-up to it, and you know, on Halloween night, you would dress up in your costume, whether your parents could afford to buy you something fancy or whether you just threw on some old clothes and called yourself a hobo and you'd go out um, into the street and the streets would just be lined with kids and parents going door to door and um, and, and it was an exciting time. Like it was a big, you know, it was maybe not as big as Christmas, but it was something that we anticipated and that we looked forward to. And I just don't see that as much in our culture anymore. I think that we're so concerned about safety, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we're so concerned about safety and protective of our children that I don't even see many kids on the streets anymore for, for Halloween. You know, there's other things organized for them to do like, um, trunk or treats or, or, going to, um, dorms or apartment complexes where things are a little bit more controlled um but it was kind of nice um for nostalgic purposes to see that excitement in all these little kids surrounding the holiday um and and despite the fact that it was totally unbelievable that they would all be wearing the same masks um that really did kind of put me in the halloween spirit well and i'll give you that and also you know I
0: think television at the time had a lot to do with it, too. You know, we didn't have... We had cable, but mostly everybody was still watching network TV. And, and you had your Halloween specials. You would watch commercials all the time would be coming up about... How, McDonald's would have their Halloween Happy Meal stuff and... All these different food products, uh, new Halloween cereals would come out, and so television, I think at the time network television may have been that binding force that gave us that build up we were looking for. You get up for Saturday morning cartoons and this this you know for the for this week it 's the Garfield Halloween special, which would have been played up for a week before, so like in that sense, right. having TV, even if it 's just this commercial, be a central folk part of that. Um, experience in this movie uh, is also pretty accurate i would say it would have been better if it had been you know maybe a movie or something like that instead of um, this commercial even though i guess right. you know they're advertising a movie you're right it, it 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 probably makes a little more sense for that time um, than it does for now sad to say sad yeah. to say. oh i could go on and on yeah. about how uh how crappy Halloween's gotten, but, uh, but it's a movie. Podcast. I know.
1: And I, <laughs> I still, I know, I know. And I still get so excited about it. And like, as I've said many, many times I teach school and, and I try to get my kids pumped about it. And you know, you, you, you give them a little bit of prodding and they will get, uh, uh excited about it. But, um, anyway, the daughter of the man who was murdered, the guy who had – I, I don't think we even mentioned before that the guy who was running away had one of those masks on him the whole time. Um, and uh, it, people at the hospital after he was dead finally noticed, but nobody put two and two together. Um, I also thought that it didn't really make any sense that the henchman robot didn't take the mask. Yeah. So there wouldn't. But I don't know. Maybe they weren't concerned about evidence. But anyway, um, the daughter uh, of this guy, her name is Ellie, and she seeks out the doctor. I saw you at the funeral. Thank you. I'm sorry about your father. Did my father say anything
0: to you the night he died? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He said, tell Ellie I love
1: her. Well, oh, a bad liar. Thank you, anyway. Wait a second. It's up.
0: I saw something that night, I don't know, your father came into the hospital and he, I thought he was crazy, out of his mind, he's hanging onto a Halloween mask, he wouldn't let it go, and what he said was, they're gonna kill us all, and in a little while he was dead, and I don't know what the hell is going on.
1: So the two of them kind of hook up, and then they're playing detective for the rest of the movie. Um, The first thing they do is they go to this shop. I couldn't tell if it was just like a general store or if it was a toy store, but apparently Ellie's dad, the guy that was killed, owned this store and really – um, reveled in you know making kids ha- happy and and all that kind of stuff, but she goes to his records. Apparently, he kept very detailed notes of what he did on a day to day basis in his calendar, <laughs> like a diary. And she she right she she figures out she's like okay here was this appointment he was there here was this appointment he was there then he was supposed to go pick up these masks. And that was the last time anybody saw him. He didn't meet any of his appointments after that. So it's got to have something to do with this place. And so the two of them travel to Santa Mara, which is the small town home of the Silver Shamrock um, Company. And it's one of those company towns where the, the town is populated by people who work in the factory. The factory is really kind of the dominant force in the town. Um, and they drive in there. And, of course, we get the shot of the spooky locals looking at them, you know, from behind uh, closed doors and closed windows. Which is so Um, overblown.
0: I mean, those are some cheesy shots, too. (laughs)
1: Right. And, and again, it's never really really capitalized on because I I got the suggestion that all of the people in the town were kind of in on this. And I don't know if that's even the case because Mm – It doesn't really play out. They they go scope out the factory first, but then they decide they're going to go get a motel room, so it won't so it'll look more like they're just um, there as buyers, and it won't be so suspicious. And they pose as husband and wife and um, get this hotel room. And the guy that rents them uh, the motel room. He seems a little shady maybe. I mean he's very friendly, but you wonder if he's kind of shady and and there's suggestion later on that he kind of is in on what's going on. But that's the only, you know, local um that really is involved at all. So all of those shots establishing the spooky locals are really kind of all for naught. I yeah. guess unless you're just trying to establish atmosphere.
0: And they really play up the Irishness of this town. It's like, you know, founded by Irish immigrants, this Mr. Cochran who owns the factory, um, and the guy you just mentioned who owns the hotel or runs the hotel is like super Irish man. It's like, who can give us the best, thickest Irish accent? Uh, and that's the guy that they cast here. Uh-huh. Uh, good evening to you. Say, partner, uh, you have to know, is there a vacancy here in this motel? My wife and I need a place to stay. You've come to the right place. It's cozy, it's quiet, and the price is right. Later on, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but later on, the doctor bumps into a bum who's complaining about the fact that uh, Mr. Cochran, when he founded the factory, didn't hire any locals like him, brought in all outside people. So that is a little incongruous because if it's a company town and there are all these people living there and they're so proud of the town and proud of the factory... How is it? Because none of them are employed by the factory. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't really Right I know exactly what you mean. It doesn't really make sense. And there you know, there's just these little things that I, I feel like are supposed to be I don't know if they're supposed to be um, red herrings or what? But like, um, well, at the hotel, they all they were introduced to some other ancillary characters that really aren't all that important. They just kind of serve their role and are done. But there's this annoying family, um, Buddy and Betty Cupfer uh, um, and their son. Um, and they, Buddy, is a, a buyer and distributor of the masks, and that's why his family is there. And then there's another woman there, Marge, who's a toy shop owner, um, and she's there for stuff too. And we meet them, but then right away apparently it's dusk, and we hear this announcement that plays over these loudspeakers all throughout town. It's six
0: o'clock. It's six o'clock. Curfew. Curfew. All residents of Santa Mira, please clear the street. Curfew is now
1: in effect. Fun bit of trivia, the voice on the announcement is Jamie Lee Curtis, who of course starred in the first two films. But then, like, they announced this six o'clock curfew, and then... Dan is just wandering around town, and he runs into this bum who's also running around, wandering around town. So it doesn't seem like they enforce this curfew very well. Well, no. <laughs> like, and, and I, I and
0: he runs into the bum coming out of the a point? shop. Like, what is? I don't
1: understand what the point of the curfew is.
0: Yeah. Right. This shop was open. I mean, <laughs> he got something to drink. Yeah, it, yeah. It's weird. Uh, and and again, what would what would be the point? Even even looking back, what would be the point of this curfew? It's all set up just to make this town seem very sinister. It has these cameras that are mounted. They're following everybody. Of course, the, the suspicious locals. Um, it, it, it's all you know. Obviously, just laying it on super thick. I mean so thick you can finish writing the movie yourself at this point <laughs> right, <laughs> that, right. Uh, you right. know you've gotten so much information that honestly and again one of the things I think is frustrating about this movie is by now you you know what's go- something's going on you d- you just don't have the details and and frustratingly, the rest of the movie takes its time laying out the details. Most movies are more coy about these details or keep hold some things back so that there's a sense of discovery. So that when these people are going on their detective chase, you're kind of going along it with them. But in this movie, uh-huh. you're just kind of waiting and twiddling your thumbs for them to find out and get to the stuff that – to get to that point where you don't know anything. Um, and, and so that's why right. I felt like the movie really kind of slows down here a little bit, even though stuff is going on, and even though sinister stuff is going on in there, clearly trying to create this tension of uh, this tension, I, I didn't feel it myself.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. I thought that this movie was too long. I thought that it could have been, you know, it it was an interesting idea. I like the idea. I think it's a really clever idea. I don't think that it's executed well, even conceptually, but I do think that the idea is interesting. But yeah, not only is all this stuff going on that really never pays off, but there's stupid stuff going on too. Like Dan and uh, Ellie just out of nowhere start making out. like. (laughs) <laughs> like they have like five seconds of coy flirtation and then they're making out. Yeah. Um and then the very next time they're together, they're having sex. Like what? These people just met, they don't even know each other. And he's married. <laughs> like, I, I, isn't he? And, I mean, well, he's not. He it, the the woman that we saw before is his ex-wife. Oh um, so that he's was not a, married. Okay. But that's the the other thing, too, is, you know, this actor, he's really familiar. Um, You've seen him in lots of things. His name's Tom Atkins. He's been in other Carpenter things. He was in Escape from New York. He was in The Fog. More recently, now that he's an older gentleman, he's been on Criminal Minds and stuff. Very familiar. And, you know, arguably a real man's man. But he's a little bit older and he's significantly older than the actress that plays Ellie. And I don't know, maybe standards are very different in the eighties, but he's not very attractive. No. Like, it's just hard to believe that this young, attractive girl would just throw herself at this guy that clearly is old enough to be her dad or maybe even her granddad. Um, I, I, so that, it just seemed dumb. Like, why did we need that? Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add anything to the story. Um, it just seems stupid. Um, we do start, like you said, they start to kind of lay out the information, what's happening. Marge, this uh, other woman who's staying at the hotel who also is a retailer, um, she says something to Ellie like, oh yeah, I love these masks, but you know, now that they're selling a lot of them, they're hard to deal with and I have to come and pick up things on my own and blah, blah, blah. And, and she says, and, and plus, look, uh, I don't mean to criticize their quality, but the logo fell off of this one. I don't think the logo should fall off. The logo is like this big metal It looks like a big metal coin on the on just on the back of the mask with the big silver shamrock on it, and when it falls off, we see the back of it, and it looks like a very very old fashioned um, computer chip on the other side. And then we cut to a scene where Dan and Ellie get it on for no apparent reason, and then we cut back to March. And and it is well, to be fair, I read that that was like one of the very first things that they shot. Like they had barely met one another, and then they had to see on that bedroom scene. Um, so I would imagine that it was awkward. <laughs> um, but Marge, uh, <laughs> Marge um, is reading. She's bored. She grabs the thing and she looks at the back and she sees, well, she, I don't know if she knows what it is, but she sees that it's something. And she kind of starts poking at it like with a pen or something. And something happens. I don't know if it shorts out or what, but this big beam of light or electricity or something zaps her in the face and uh Dan and Ellie next door hear it, but they 're getting it on so they don 't care. they ignore it. Um, but when we cut back to her, the whole front part of her face is severely burned like it's it's almost like it 's burned a big hole in the front of her face around her mouth, um, and this big hornet uh, comes out um, and the next day um, these these suits now in white coats come for for her body, and um, they're taking her out. And Dan and Ellie come to see what's going on. Um, and she's all wrapped up like a corpse, but they're like, Is she okay? And, and <laughs> the people are like, Oh yeah, she's fine. <laughs> yeah. We're just gonna go get her fixed up. Um, and Cochrane, who is the owner and founder of the company and who is this mysterious figure that we've heard about but not seen yet, he shows up. He's this dapper looking older man.
0: Mr. Cochrane, good to see you, sir. Oh, good
1: evening, Mr. Rafferty. It's all over, my friends. Just a small accident. The lady's going to get the very best possible treatment. I promise you that. Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. She'll weave the most marvelous facility there for emergency treatment. What happened? Fire. And so they know something is uh, going up, or going on, excuse me. And then, again, we get another Teddy scene. Um, I guess uh, Dan calls Teddy to see if there's been any um, new developments in this autopsy. And she just says, no, it's really weird. I think we got the wrong stuff because everything in the bag is like car parts. There's no human uh, material. So already, ha ha, big hint, they're, they're robots, as if we couldn't have figured that out really at this point anyway. Um, and then um, Dan and Ellie go to the factory. And I think that they are just going to kind of try to scope it out. But as it turns out, um, that other family that I had mentioned before, the Cupfers, uh, are there. And because Mr. Kupfer, I guess, is one of the leading retailers in selling these masks, his family is being offered a tour of the, ma- of the factory. Um, and uh, Ellie and Dan are able to kind of worm their way in um, so that they get to go along. And then we kind of get a tour of the factory, but it's not very exciting.
0: No, it's not. It's not a huge production either. I mean, for the top-selling Halloween masks in the country, all being made by hand in this looks like a pretty laborious uh, fashion in what is admittedly not even a very impressive factory um, is another point point at which the cracks kind of show, I think, in the production. Buddy and his son couldn't be more happy about it. They're pretty thrilled about the whole thing. His son gets uh, wants to get one of these masks uh, and he, and and Mr. Cochran says, Oh, I was going to give you one, but not one of these. Um, They haven't been through final processing yet. Uh, And, Uh, they're like oh okay and so he pulls out a mask that uh, is actually all wrapped up and ready to go and hands it to um, his son and suddenly final processing becomes something that everybody's curious about Uh, Mm -hmm. you know buddy asked well tell me a little bit of you know what happens during final processing and and uh, Mr. Cochran's very coy. Well, you know, it's it's a trade secret. And as they're walking, they 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 end up at the spot where there's a door to the final processing, and it's like clearly more guarded. It's a little more secure. And and uh, you know, Buddy's like, well, well, can can you take me in? Can you show me some of that? And he's like, oh, there are hazardous chemicals involved in doing that. I, I can't take you in there. And you're like, what? Final processing for a Halloween mask? Right. Like like first of all, I mean. Why would that comment not just go right by you? You know, they haven't been through final processing. Okay, yeah, sure. You got to, you know, bag them up or something. Um, Right. It's just so goofball that uh, they make such a big deal out of this. uh, Just lays it on with a hammer, man. And of course, that gets uh, Dan uh, very interested in checking out final processing.
1: Yeah, he comes back later. Um, Dan goes to try to call. Uh, Teddy again, I think. or for He has to run on some errand to get him away from Ellie so uh. that Ellie can be abducted. And then Ellie's abducted, we assume, by the suits. Um, and, and the suits are pursuing Dan, but he's able to get away and he makes it back to the factory. And that's really um, where the third act plays out. And... It's really just disappointing on every level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, it just feels contrived i mean he gets in there um and he looks around
0: well he comes a, he opens a door what seems to be kind of a really it's one of those it's such a non sequitur that it's extremely creepy when he slowly opens a yeah. door into like a closet and there's a woman just sitting there knitting And you're like whoa uh, to me actually that was the creepiest part of this whole movie was when he it opens that door and uh and but it turns out it's 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 a robot. This is the first um, automaton or whatever that we that we run across, and he knocks it over or something, and the head comes off, and he ends up in this giant warehouse uh, area with this giant stone and uh, a bunch of. It's it's a big empty space filled by two things.
1: Well, that that's after he's captured. I, is that I think after that, he's captured? Um, I thought he yeah, ran across one of, it
0: first, and they, they found him there. I,
1: I don't think. Well, maybe. maybe I, I feel right. like it was right after he broke that one robot that he they another one of the suits finds him and he fights um, the suit. And like when he's punching him in the face, there's there's like no reaction at all. Eventually, they get down on the ground and he's punching him in the abdomen. And he notices stuff starting to come out of the guy's mouth. It looks like egg yolk um, mm. is coming out of the guy's mouth. And he looks down and realizes that he has actually punched into this guy's abdomen. And all that yellow stuff is oozing out. and Like wires and short circuit things are coming out. And that's when Cochran and a couple of other henchmen get him and i feel like they take him into the processing room it's it's one of those things where oh okay now we've got you so let's tell you the master plan
0: yeah, <laughs> you know like it's so dumb <laughs> it's james bond it's james bond villain territory we're getting into now but the problem is exactly. dan is not even james bond like he's just to them another guy who's poking around who's in their way so unlike all of the other people who've been Killed immediately if just at the suggestion that they could find something. Here's the guy who actually broke into their factory, who's looking at all this stuff, and they're not just going to kill him too. They're gonna they're gonna hang out right. with them for a while, show them their tricks. I mean, we've spent a lot of time with Dan, so we have kind of a connection with him, and we know where he comes from. But none of these guys should, except for maybe Cochran, who. There's the idea that at least since they came into town, um, he, they've been monitored, and so he, he calls him mm-hmm. immediately by name and says, or should I say doctor or whatever. So he's obviously done a little bit of digging on him. But yeah, why they don't just kill him off right like they've been doing with everybody else is, is pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah, instead instead, um, he just he, he lays out the plan. There we see this huge stone hinge stone. He's like, it was kind of a it was kinda of hard to steal it, but we managed. <laughs> you know, like this huge <laughs> five ton thing that, you know, there's no way anybody can just walk away with and then, oh yeah, we just shipped it over here. Okay. That, that uh, would have been a better that, story. That makes,
0: the movie I want to see is the movie where they explain how somebody stole a stone from Stonehenge and shipped it across to America completely
1: <laughs> <unintended>. <laughs> Right, right. And and by this time, it is Halloween, and um, of course Dan inquires about Ellie, and, and they show on like a security camera, they show him she's there, she's still alive, she's strapped down to a table somewhere in that facility. But then he says, you need to see an illustration. That's what you need to see. And we cut to this scene where the, the family, the Cupfers, father, son, and mother, are being um, led into this room that's just a room in this compound, but it's mocked up to look like um, a family room. Um, and they're locked in there, and uh, the dad thinks that he's supposed to be like reviewing advertising or something, giving his advice for advertising. The television comes on, and it's that commercial again um but this time it's 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 the i guess the demo of um what's actually going to air later on this night because it's already halloween it's time it's time
0: time for the uh, this is just the same old stuff all you lucky kids with silver shamrock masks, gather round to a TV set, put on your masks,
1: and watch.
0: Honey, don't get too close. You'll ruin your eyes.
1: At gather some point, Little watch. Buddy grabs his imagine. face and starts kind of grabbing at his face and goes down to his knees to the floor. And we see that the mask is kind of deteriorating in some way. Um, and when he falls all the way to the floor, it continues to deteriorate and bugs tons and tons of bugs start pouring out from where his head should be, but presumably is no longer. Um, and a, and a, the, the parents, of course, freak out. The mother, <laughs> I think we're supposed to think that she just drops dead, I guess, because I didn't yeah. see anything really happen to her. Out of fright um, or something? The, the dad, yeah, I guess, the dad um, is bitten by a rattlesnake that has come out of the kid's head. So now we see what the big plan is And then we get to this montage shot, which really I think this was my favorite scene of the movie. Even though you're right, I agree with you that it's silly that all of these kids would be wearing the same masks. But it's this scene of the masks just flying off the shelves and all the kids getting ready for Halloween and going out and trick-or-treating. And there's just some interesting visuals with the kids' silhouettes set against the setting sun and um, just the excitement of Halloween. And that was I, I liked that scene. Um, before we come back to the the factory for the for the final act,
0: Dan is captured. Ellie has been taken off to a room, which we can kind of see in a like a security camera around this. I guess the best thing I can say is it's like a digital workstation that's in the same area yeah. as the Stonehenge. Now, which right. really begs the question: What are they working on? Okay, they right. they've shipped all these masks. It's Halloween night. They couldn't possibly ship any more. Um, because the broadcast is going on in a few hours, and at first, when I watched this, I thought, well, maybe this is a they live kind of situation where maybe the actual Halloween broadcast is is beaming out from the factory you know t- to the networks or something so they're they have ultimate control or maybe their technology requires that you know to activate the the commercial and whatnot, but no it's just the networks that are playing what was sent to them, so what they're doing at this workstation boggles my mind. Like, what are, what is the business they're so involved in here? Um, where Cochran's still taking calls. Uh, you know, what is his end game through this whole thing? You're wondering what, is, what does he want to do? And so he says to Dan, he says,
1: "Halloween, the festival of Solan." The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children.
0: Sacrifices in part of our world.
1: Our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again.
0: So at the end of the day, he has to I guess restore balance to the universe in some in some way shape with or the long. sacrifice with right. the sacrifice of all the kids now this is still going to happen, okay, so not every kid's going to throw on a mask I mean the plan just has a billion holes in it um, the kids have right. to watch the the TV thing while they're doing the mask I guess this is only taking place in North America right now in America so the rest of the world he that, yeah is going to be is not going to be affected so by the end of the day it's going to be pretty obvious to the people who were not killed what's going on uh, something with these masks so if I were mr Cochran unless I had a death wish I'd be getting the heck out of dodge by now the factory would have been closed we'd be gone we wouldn't be here, fielding phone calls and doing some nebulous work um, because there's nothing, no, nothing more to work on. There's nothing to further here, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so, so he kills all these kids in this very odd and oblique way. May or may not get their adults, and now everyone's going to descend on this factory after that. And then what happens, right? Who's right. going to be around to, to to do the sacrifice next time? Uh, it's just it's just a bizarre, weird plan, and I, I like the idea. You know, I've always been a fan of yeah. putting horror in a uh, what what we think of as as a sanitized environment. You know, corporate culture it right. uh, seems very businesslike and stoic, and to have a horror come out of that, it, it's why I really want to like this movie. I mean, I've seen it three or four times, and every time I turn it on, I think this is the time I'm going to really enjoy it, and. And it never happens. I I almost yeah. dislike it more every time I watch it. <laughs> it's
1: funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'll I'll tell you how I feel about it overall here at the end. But well, um, just a minute. Basically, he, he even fields a phone call from one of the guys, and it sounds so goofball. Tonight's just for fun, a way of saying thank you to all our good customers. Forty-three share. You think so? Good and I hope the little ones will be watching.
0: The little ones, your broadcast goes on at ten o'clock PM and you're showing Halloween. (laughs) You're showing Halloween a slasher film. How many little ones are gonna be are gonna be staying up to watch this film that they're
1: That's yeah, it's a it's a good point. I don't know. I mean, he's mentioned like it was mentioned several times that he's not taking any orders for next year. So apparently he has no plans of still being around or being in business for next year. So maybe he's planning on fleeing back to the old country or something. I don't know. He better do it. it, It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, right. Um. Uh, the, the funny, uh, the funny thing is, when Cochran asks him why he's doing it, before he explains all that old world backstory, the first thing he says is, "Well, I have always liked a good prank." Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> this uh, this is one heck of a prank you got going on here. It's a goofball. Uh, it's 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 yeah. yeah. It's Robin uh, Williams' character, right there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, he makes the James Bond villain mistake of not just killing um, Dan, but saying, "Ha ha, I'll set you up with a death." and leave you alone. So he, he ties him up and puts the TV on and puts a mask on him, which Dan immediately escapes from. And then Dan is like sneaking around. Uh, he tries to call his wife for his ex-wife to tell her to n- not let the kids wear the masks, but she's mad at him. So she just kind of hangs up on him. Then he finds Ellie and the two of them are sneaking around undetected They're like crouching behind this box. And I guess sticking out of the box is one of those logos that are sewn onto the back of the masks. And he knows what those do. So he, in a really goofball scene that doesn't make any sense, sneaks right into the middle of this workstation, this circle of computers, where everybody is standing right out in the open. You know the the main bad guy is standing right there. All of the robot henchmen are standing right there, but nobody sees him as he goes up and puts in the correct code to start the sequence for this uh, video to play. That's supposed to trigger these these logos. How did he know what the code was? It doesn't even make any sense. I think. Um, I, I think guess he, maybe he was paying really close attention when he yeah. got the demonstration. I think that's uh, the whatever. Stupid.
0: You no, know, it doesn't make sense. Like no. No, there are a billion buttons on that thing.
1: Right. So he 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 sets the code in motion, totally undetected. Walks away, totally undetected. He and Ellie go up into the scaffolding above all of this, and as the video starts playing, and we see that trigger, you know, the flashing um, pumpkin. He dumps all of these uh, metal uh, symbols into that workstation where all the henchmen are and it just works like they start going off and it it, it kills all of the robots and they're just kind of standing up there and cochran looks up at him and does he give him a thumbs up or like clap his hands or something like oh you got me <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's like well played <laughs> and, and, sir <laughs> right right and then the, the Stonehenge rock starts glowing like crazy and it shoots out a, like a beam between the workstation and Stonehenge goes into Cochrane and he is just totally disintegrated or transformed or something. But he's out of the picture, which you would think would be the end of the movie, kind of, because I wasn't thinking like you. You know, I wasn't thinking about this in a historical context. When I saw them all around the uh, workstation, I was still in the mindset of our current day where they were preparing to broadcast themselves. But you're absolutely right. That wouldn't make any sense. They would have just sent a tape to the various news stations. And in fact, it appears that's what they did because they get out of there and Dan's like, oh my gosh, we have to call somebody. We have to get out of here. And uh, he looks over at Ellie and she's sitting there blank face. And it's totally obvious before it's even revealed that they have replaced her with a robot version of herself, presumably killed her and replaced her with the robot. And she attacks Dan in the car. They get in a car wreck. There's a really goofy scene where she keeps getting dismembered and the dismembered parts of her body keep attacking in these really lame jump scares. (laughs) Uh, But eventually he gets to that same gas station where the original guy from the very beginning had ended up. um, And he calls like, I guess he's just got the number of the network president and he calls, and he's like, take it off the air. Take it off the air. I can't explain, but you have to take it off. Um, and it, it starts playing, and like just at that moment, these little kids in the masks pull up like their family had just pulled in here, <laughs> and they run up to the TV, and they're watching. And it starts... But then the the station goes out and it says, we're experiencing technical difficulties. But the kid just reaches out and turns to another network and it's still playing there. And uh, then it goes out and said, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Kid turns the channel again, still playing on a different network. And this one doesn't go out. And the movie ends with Dan shouting, stop it, stop it, stop it. As we see the trigger, the the flashing jack-o'-lantern on the screen. And then it just cuts to black and goes to the theme music. I read that originally the ending that they recorded, when it went to black, it didn't cut to the theme music. Instead, it was the sound of thousands of children screaming, indicating that they were dying these agonizing deaths and that the plan had actually ultimately worked. Um, they changed it and cut that and just went to the theme music to make it a little bit more ambiguous. Did it work? Did it not um, I actually think I would have preferred the original way they went, yeah. at, at least I you know that that would have been really dark and unexpected, um, and I would have preferred that, even though I still get the suggestion that ultimately it worked um, yeah. but that 's it that 's the end you yeah. know i don 't know i don 't know you <laughs> know if this were a standalone movie, if it had nothing to do with uh, the Halloween franchise at all. It, and I was going to say if it was just titled season of the witch, which still wouldn't really make any sense because there's so little about witchcraft in it. Um, I don't know. I might cut it a little bit more slack, but the first, the first Halloween movie was quite good. The second one, mm, but I still kind of had an expectation that these were going to be quality films with people like John Carpenter behind it. Um, I, I expected a certain level of quality and I just really didn't think that this delivered. I, I think that my biggest problem was with the writing. I didn't think that the performances were terrible. The cinematography was nothing special, but it wasn't awful. Some of the effects were pretty good. But the story was just rambling and didn't make much sense. I liked the concept. I, I found myself thinking at some point, you know, this might have made a really interesting episode of The X-Files. Yeah. Um, it, it's, a, it's a good concept. And if they pared it down to 50 minutes and cut out all of the extra unnecessary stuff that really doesn't make any sense or add anything to the movie, then it could have been something cool. But I just feel like they missed the mark. Well, it's a good concept, poorly executed.
0: And I say good concept... S- with the idea that if they had executed it properly, they would fix all of the real dumb problems with what ultimately ends up coming across as a very silly plot. Uh, right. y- it, it would be suited to a cartoon or something um, because it's. Or an so... episode
1: of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I feel like that would have yeah. been a good form for it. <clears throat> Yeah, you which know, I'm a huge Buffy fan, so that's not, you know, it's not saying anything negative. But anyway.
0: Well, and you have to think that some scenes had to have been, in, you know, obviously there are other factors at work here. I know that the director, Tom Lee Wallace, complained that, uh, or no, actually, there was an original screenwriter who complained that his script was, uh, he was a pretty, I don't know, I can't, I don't have the name with me right now, but it was a pretty accomplished science fiction author. And I think, honestly, this movie is planted a little more firmly in the science fiction category than it is mm-hmm. uh, in horror. But, um, he was originally hired to do the script and he did the script and apparently it left out a few of the things that ended up working their way into the movie. And he actually asked for his name to be taken off of the script. Uh, and so, and, and success, uh, off of the credits and successfully got that um, because Tommy Lee Wallace came in and apparently rewrote a lot. And apparently at the insistence of of the studio um, added some of the gory kills that we see. So that kind of makes sense how some of these seem shoehorned in there. Um, Like the goriest deaths and even really all the deaths that we see except for the implied deaths of, of millions of children um, are pretty far spaced out for a for a horror film, and mm-hmm. although they're creative, they're they're few and far between. Really, we didn't even mention the coroner's death, which made the least sense of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about yeah, about it's like corner. we gotta
1: we gotta tie up this loose end that was never important to begin with, never
0: important to begin with. And it's funny because she's been sitting in front of these th- three trays for for weeks, you know, day and night, and yeah. I don't know, it was like nothing changes, but suddenly she looks at a a piece in a different light or something and is like, oh my God. Like like suddenly everything has become clear to her uh, and picks up the phone, but not before the henchman comes in and uh, grabs a drill and offs her, which again, doesn't make any sense because this is Halloween Mm -hmm. night already. Why are you out there bothering to tie up any loose ends? It's all going to resolve itself in an hour, which would suggest to me that maybe even all of the coroner scenes were something that got inserted later, that the studio was like, mm-hmm. we need one more brutal killing in here. And they're like, all right, let's hire this woman, let's shoot a few scenes, and let's throw her in. That's that's the only... Ex- I, can, I can grant a little leeway to poor Mr. Tommy Lee Wallace, who feels like his film has been supremely misunderstood, and who feels that um, if this hadn't been associated with the Halloween franchise, it would have found an audience faster. And I... I I know you. you, maybe you feel a little bit that way. I I disagree. I completely feel like even as a standalone film, I don't care if it has Michael Myers in it or not. I think it's a lousy movie. But uh, maybe it serves a good purpose of being something everybody can make fun of when you're sitting around uh, on Halloween Day because we need those movies too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we we definitely do. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I – despite the fact, and and I think you said something about the original screenwriter being disappointed. If I remember correctly, I think that I read that he had conceived it and wrote it as a horror comedy. And, um, the studio eliminated all of the comedy and, and put in more gore. Um, maybe there would have, maybe, I don't know. It's one of those things where we'll never know, you know, what it was originally conceived as. And, and if we did, maybe that would have been something different and special. Um, but whether it be due to the original, just not being up to par or whether it be, the studio tampering you know murdered any potential that it had i don't know but i agree with you it's 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 not good and it's not anything that i would ever feel like i needed to see again (laughs) but you know
0: it's a shame really because we need it's a shame that this kind of put an end to that whole idea of uh, an an anthology you know every year getting a different halloween themed movie because we need those we really don't still don't have those. I mean, except for mm-hmm. the fact that some horror films um, with sequels, such as Saw, you know, we've mentioned that before, uh, tended to release around Halloween or the newest Blair Witch or the newest um, Paranormal Activity. They're they're just horror movies that are released around Halloween time. Uh, I just watched finished watching Trick or Treat last night, and I remember how awesome that was. And
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we need more movies like that to put us in that spirit and. This movie could have done that and didn't, and maybe the subsequent movies, apparently they had a lot more planned. Apparently they, they had ideas left and right um, for future films in this kind of a, a series, and they ended up going back to Michael Myers uh, because, of the, mm-hmm. because of the failure of this one. It's a, it's a shame.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I would have loved to have seen where it could have gone. And, you know, maybe someday we'll get something like that. Uh, it seems like anthology horror is really coming back into the mainstream. Um, it, it's, it's, it's on TV a lot now. Um, so maybe we'll start to see that um, in, in film too. And I certainly hope so. Well, thank you again for listening to
0: another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, also on Google Music now. They're doing podcasts. You can find us also online. Uh, Shoot us a message at our Facebook page, our social media. We'd love to hear your comments, what you thought of the film, and, of course, any suggestions for future films. Until our future episodes, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw.